is going to speak to us today. Um, I don't care if you're down there. Somebody want to grab the table? All right. Um, this is my mother, the one that gave birth to this fabulous human standing in front of you. <laughs> um, there were a lot of rough years where she probably thought that I was never going to make it. But here I am. Yay. I don't know what's wrong with me today. All right, so Mimi's awesome. She talks really fast. I like fast talkers. Hold on, because you're going to go for a ride. Open your ears, because it's going to be some quick talking. I love quick talkers. They're my favorite. Anyways, sorry. Love you, Mom. It's right here. I haven't been out of the saddle so long that I forgot I needed a microphone, but maybe I have. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Um, it is really good to be here. It is really awesome to be uh, able to, to just share with you a little bit today. And you know, uh, I think Doreen asked uh, me months ago if I would be willing to speak today, and I said yes, not um, having any idea where I would be in life as I speak with you today. And I'll share a little bit more of that as we go this morning. But I had this message all prepared, and I, and I, I even, I mean, I had all my notes, I was all ready to go, and, and you know how God can be so many times. We think we know the right thing to do, and then God comes in and speaks to our heart, and sometimes changes everything that we thought was the right thing to do. And for, for I, what I want to say right now is I'm so glad he does that, because when God does that, it's the right thing. And so today, um, if I can just be an expression of hope, to you, if I can be just a little extension of God's love toward you today, then I feel like that God did what he wanted to do. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about when fact and truth collide. Uh, I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago with Christy, and that's what kind of precipitated this whole thought process. And she made a profound statement. It's been rolling around in my head ever since that day. And she said this, she said, the facts may be the facts, but it doesn't mean that they're the truth. And I'm going to say that again because that is hugely profound. The facts of our life, the facts, the circumstances that we are living in right now that we're facing today, those might be the facts, but it doesn't mean that they're the truth. And, and you know, you have to think about that a little bit. You have to kind of process through that a little bit because if we look at everything from a natural standpoint or a human standpoint, the facts and the truth are often the same, Right? I mean, we kind of think, well, the facts are the facts, and the truth is the truth, and it's kind of the same thing. But in the spiritual, or from God's perspective, the facts and the truth often, almost always, collide. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're just going to take a quick run through the Bible today, and I know that there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of times in the Bible when the fact and truth collide, but I'm just going to run you through a few of them this morning. Because every single one of us is experiencing circumstances, aren't we? We're experiencing things that are fact. In the natural, they are the facts of our lives. Some of these things are super positive, and we're super excited about these things. And some of them are discouraging. Some of them are challenging. Some of them are downright devastating. Some of us are going through some of the hardest circumstances we've ever faced in life. But today, let's just take a moment and focus on truth. What does God say about the circumstances in my life today? What does God say about the facts that we are all facing in life today, individually, corporately? What does the truth say? 
from Genesis to Revelation, God's word challenges fact with truth. I love this scripture. What, um, what does God say? Because no matter what the, the facts say, God's word is truth. There's a scripture, John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. I love this Psalm 119, 160 says, the entirety, everybody say the entirety, the wholeness, the completeness, every single word that comes from the mouth of God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm adding two because these are seven fabulous words right here, the entirety or the sum of your word is truth. God's word is truth. Regardless of what the facts are, God's word is truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration from God. John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so let's look at the book, uh, the, the, the Bible. Let's look at God's words to us. Let's look at the story that God placed in, in front of us to show us the truth of life. And we look at the Bible again from Genesis to Revelation. We look at the story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. Everybody knows that story. Abraham and Sarah were old. I mean like 80 and 100-ish. That's really old. And, they, and the facts said that Abraham and Sarah were too old to have children. They had no children. That was a fact. The facts also and the circumstances also said they were too old to have children. It was not possible in the natural for them to have children. But what was the truth in the situation? What did God say? God told Abraham, you, your wife Sarah is going to bear a son, and his name is going to be Isaac, and through your seed will be multitudes. Your, your, your heir, your, the inheritance that you leave, the, the people that you bring forth are going to be greater than the sands of the sea. That's what God said to Abraham. And Abraham said, that's not possible because I'm too old and my wife is too old. The facts are against us. But God's word was truth. Sarah did give birth to Isaac. Abraham did become the father of many nations. God intervened between fact and truth and fulfilled his promise. According to Galatians 3, 6 through 8, it says, We, we, us, you and I, all of us, as people of faith, are still living in the blessing and inheritance of Abraham. Oh my gosh. Because Abraham dared to believe the truth. Now, it took him a little bit. You know, he had his moments of doubt. I mean, he really did. He had his moments of doubt. As a matter of fact, when he told Sarah what was going to happen, she laughed. She thought it was a joke. He had his moments, but God's truth prevailed. When we look at the story of Moses in the book of Exodus, and we see how God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel from slavery, and here were the facts. The facts were Moses was full of fear. Anybody ever been full of fear? Moses was full of fear. He was full of insecurity. Ever, anybody ever been insecure? Anybody ever looked at your life and said, there is no way I can do what God has asked me to do? There is no way that I can fulfill the truth of God in my life because I'm not, I'm not worthy. I've, I've messed up way too much. I mean, Moses killed a guy. I mean, Moses, I mean, he was, he was full of insecurity. He was full of fear. He was full of unbelief. And yet... God's truth said that he would deliver the children of God from slavery. And even though, God, even though Moses ran from God, he had no confidence that he could do what God said he would do. Once again, God's truth 
intervened with, with the facts of Moses' life, and Moses led God's people out of captivity. God parted the fact of the Red Sea. There was a, a huge obstacle. They finally got out of Egypt. There was a huge obstacle in front of them called the Red Sea. That was a fact, but God's truth parted that sea, and they walked through it on dry ground, and they walked through into a place of freedom even when the facts were against them the circumstances were against them we read the story of joshua in joshua 6 and you know we we know that that god had told joshua this city belongs to you the city of jericho and this was a huge walled fortified city and and, and joshua was just with a bunch of you know regular people not a mighty army just god's people and, and, and God said, yeah, I see the truth, I see the facts, excuse me, I see the facts. The facts are that this is a fortified city, that these people inside have weapons, that there were probably watchmen upon the walls like snipers. And he told Joshua, this is what you're going to do. You're going to march around that city once a day for seven days, and on the seventh day, you're going to raise a shout. And the truth is that those walls are going to come down and you are going to enter that city and you are going to occupy that city and that city is yours. And that's exactly what happened, regardless of the facts of the situation. That's exactly what happened. And God's word was truth. We look at the story of David. Oh, my gosh. In First and Second Kings, there's so many stories of David. We love the stories of David. We love how the, the facts were that David was this young um, shepherd boy who wasn't allowed to, to even be with his brothers. His brothers were going off to fight every day. And, and here David was, this young shepherd boy, sent off to care for the sheep. And, and, and one day his dad said, will you take your brothers their lunch? They forgot their lunch today. So I packed your brothers a lunch. And would you take your brothers? They're out on the front lines. Take your brothers a lunch. And David goes out there. And he sees this giant, this Philistine, and this Philistine is, is just, I mean, he is just rude and mean, and he's calling God names. And I used to tell this story to my grandkids all the time, and we would, you know, we'd really, wouldn't we speed? We'd really, we'd have a great time with this one. And, 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 and Goliath was saying things like, you guys are big wimp, you guys are big wimps, you guys will never get me because I'm big and strong and you guys don't have the right weapons. And David looked at the army and he looked at his brothers, he said, Who, wh why are you letting this guy do this? Who is this Philistine that he comes against the God of Israel? And we all know the story. They tried to put this heavy armor on David. He said, I can't do this with all this armor. It doesn't fit me. I can't use it. So he gathered those five smooth stones, didn't he? And he took his sling, and he hit Goliath right in the head. Goliath fell over. David went over and took Goliath's sword out of his sheath and cut off his head, and he slaughtered the giant when the facts were certainly against him. And he went on to become the king of Israel. When people were trying to kill him, when the people were chasing him down, he went on to become the king of Israel. All the odds, all the facts were against him. But what God's truth overcame every fact, every challenge, every circumstance. We look at Daniel. We look at the fact of the lions. We look at the facts of the fiery furnace. We look at how he was, God saved him out of those things when it seemed impossible and in the natural it was impossible. We look at Joseph and his life and the, he was imprisoned and he was lied against and he was thrown into jail when he didn't do anything wrong. And God used him once again to save his people. 
from famine. We look at Gideon and the fact of being grossly outnumbered, and we see fact and truth collide every time. God's word of truth always, always, always overcomes the facts in our life. We look at the story of Esther and how she put her life on the line. She went into that, she went in, I mean, she went into the enemy's lair, and she became the wife to that king because God had appointed her and anointed her to save his people once again, and she put her life on the line, and against all circumstances, against all fact, she saved her people from death. Let's move on to the New Testament. Let's look at the story of Mary. We all know the story of Mary, right? A sweet little girl, probably about 15 years old just a nice little Jewish girl in a nice little Jewish home, probably, you know, not very well-to-do, probably lived a very simple life. And uh, here she was, and she was supposed to get married to this guy named Joseph. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes to her in a dream and tells her that she's, she's pregnant and she's going to bear a child. And you think about the facts of that during that period of time. That little girl would have been ostracized. That little girl would have been thrown out. That little girl probably could have been stoned because of what people would have perceived as the fact of her life, which would have been sin. And no, no, no. She went on to say, God, you know what? I'm afraid about this. This is really scary to me, but I will do what you've asked me to do. I will let your truth intervene with the facts of what's going on right now. And she bore our Savior. She gave birth to Jesus. God chose her to become the mother of Jesus and to give birth to Jesus and she and and uh, again saved God's people through Mary every one of the miracles that Jesus performed overcame fact with truth and every miracle that has happened since that time are the direct collision of truth overcoming fact we look at Jesus's life let's just look at it for a minute here he was you know, he was, he was the son of God. He was doing what God had called him to do. He was going about doing miracles. He, were, he was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He was feeding the thousands like Mary Kay talked about. He was performing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And what did they do? They arrested him. Those were the facts. They tried him. Those were the facts. They found him guilty. Those were the facts. They crucified him. They killed him. Those were the facts. But the truth of the matter was, is that on the third day he rose from the dead, he overcame the enemy, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from the enemy, and once again, God's people were miraculously saved because of the truth. So what are you facing today? What are the facts of life that you're facing today? Are you facing fear and anxiety? I am. I am facing fear and anxiety today like I have never faced fear and anxiety in my life. But John 16, 33 says, Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite portions of Scripture in all of the Bible. And uh, I'd quote it to you word for word, but I want to make sure I do it right. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says, Do not fret. Oh, God, the facts of my life. God, do you understand the circumstances I'm facing right now? Do you understand what I'm looking at right now? Do you understand what the natural looks like right now, God? And you're telling me not to have fret or have any anxiety about anything? 
Well, if he stopped there, that would just be mean, but he didn't stop there. He said, but, or instead of, in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God, and God's peace will be yours. I got a card in the mail yesterday from Sheila. And I opened that, and the very outside of the card just had one word on it. It said, peace. God, thank you so much. And the peace of God, God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing and being content, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Are you facing sickness? Matthew 8, 17 says, He himself, talking about Jesus, He himself took our sickness and carried away our diseases. Let me read you another psalm, another scripture right here. Psalm 103 says, verse 1 through 3 says, With all my heart, with all my heart, with all my heart, I praise the Lord. And with all that I am, I praise his holy name. With all of my heart, I praise the Lord. I will never forget how kind he has been. The Lord forgives our sins. He heals us when we are sick and protects us from death. His kindness and love are a crown of our, on our heads every day that we live. He provides for our need and gives the strength of a young eagle. He, Lord, forgives our sins and he heals us when we are sick. You know, um, most of you know this. Maybe there's some here in the room that don't, but uh, our 19-year-old granddaughter was diagnosed with leukemia two weeks ago. And it's a, it's a, it's a nasty one. It's a mean leukemia. It's an ugly one. It's, it's evil. It's, um, it's aggressive, and it's mean. And right now, it is the circumstance that we're dealing with. It's the facts of what we're dealing with. But you know what? God's truth says that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. God's truth says he heals all, he forgives all our sins and heals all of our diseases. God's truth said Jesus went around doing good and healing all were oppressed of the devil. I have to share something a little bit personal here. Greg and Rebecca, you're sitting here, and you know, last night, well, let me just go back and say, on Sky, uh, there's a caring bridge set up, and our, our son updates it every single day, and it's so helpful because it gives us so many specific things to pray about. But I, I followed Caring Bridge for several years. I started following Caring Bridge about 10 years ago when Greg and Rebecca's son-in-law was diagnosed with a really mean, ugly, aggressive cancer. And, uh, and so every time I open Caring Bridge, there's Cody's name and Skye's name. And every time I see it, I have hope because Cody... Uh, 10 years later, is now the daddy of a two-year-old, and I mean, he finished school. He and his beautiful wife, Juliana, have a beautiful family, and I mean, God has done so many miracles, and so last night, you know, I was just, I was just thinking and praying and pondering about, about truth versus circumstances, and so I went clear back 10 years ago and started reading Cody's Caring Bridge uh, journal from the very beginning, and I read, and I read, and I read, and I read. There were over 400 entries, and I didn't read all 400, but I read, and I read, and I read. And then I went to the last entry, which was two years ago. 
And it was a picture of Juliana and Cody with their brand new baby boy. And for this child I have prayed and this child God has given us. And oh my gosh, when truth collides with facts and those kinds of things give us hope and those kinds of things give us understanding of who God is and what God does. And we just have to hold on to truth. Are you facing lack? Philippians 4.19 says, my God, my God, Paul says, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are we, are we facing discouragement and hopelessness? Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. These are the words that God gave to, to Joshua, and they're the words God gives to us. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Are you facing a mountain? Well, we know that Jesus is the mountain mover. He says, speak to this mountain that be thou your movement cast into the sea, and Jesus is the mountain mover. Are you facing a storm? Well, we know that Jesus is the silencer and the calmer of the storm. We can feel like we're in a tempest. We're in a whirlwind so big that we can't even face it. We can surely not survive, but Jesus calms the storm. Do you feel like you're walking through the darkest night of your life? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And the light always overcomes the darkness. You cannot cast out the darkness, but you can turn on a light. And ever, I mean, you can be in the darkest cave, the darkest dungeon. You just turn on a light, and the darkness leaves. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you experiencing great loss? Are you experiencing loss so big you don't feel like you can breathe? Are you facing pain so severe you don't feel like you can live another day? 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, God says, I am the God of all comfort. I am the God who will comfort you in every single situation in your life so that you can experience true comfort, which provides peace. You can experience that comfort and that peace, and then you can share it with others. That's the truth. And today, we get to celebrate baptism. Oh my gosh, water baptism. And we get to see we get a visual. We get a, we get a, this is like a, the best object lesson ever. I couldn't have dreamed up an object lesson better than what we're going to see here in just a few minutes because we get to see how fact and truth collide. You know, we were destined, I mean, we were born into a sinful world. We have sinned. We have come short of the glory of God. We have messed up royally. We have done it wrong so many times. And the, the facts are we were destined to die in our sin. But truth came. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Truth came and collided with the facts, collided with circumstances, collided with the natural. And because of that, we are risen up with him. The, the Bible says that we are risen together with him into newness of life. And this water baptism signifies that, that there we were, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were buried with Christ, and we rose again into newness of life. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to read one more scripture. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, and then, uh, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to baptize people, and we're going to just celebrate the truth today. Wow, we're going to celebrate the truth of salvation, the truth of new life, the truth of an eternal 
place with him, the truth of eternity in heaven, the truth of, 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 of new life, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. The, I, oh my gosh, it's an incredible thing. But let me read to you Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know, this is the truth, people, okay? This is, I don't, care, I don't care what the circumstances are that you're facing today. I don't care what the lies are. I don't care, you know, what the facts are, because sometimes facts lie. They just flat out lie. I don't care what those things are. This is the truth. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and experience and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power, his dynamite power, that word, that I, I don't have time to just tell you everything here, but that word there is dunamis, which means dynamite, which means, I mean, that's a power to blow up a mountain, not just move it, I mean, blow it to smithereens, okay? That's what that power is, of his power in us, Oh, wow, that's the truth. That power's not only for us, but it's also in us and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted, this is that mighty strength, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above. Everybody say far above. This is not just a little bit above. Jesus isn't just a little bit above. He is far above all rule and authority and power. And I'm going to add fact in there, okay, and circumstances in there. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, I don't care what you're facing today, it has a name. And the name of Jesus is far above whatever is named on this earth, okay? His power is working in us and for us, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world to come. And he has put all things under Jesus' feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church. And we are the church, and that same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in every single one of us, and every name that is named has to bow to the name of Jesus. And as we baptize people today, as they go under that water and they come up in newness of life, it is representative, it is symbolizing that new life, that power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray today. Father... We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you your word is truth. We thank you that the sum of your word is truth. The completeness of your word is truth. The entirety of your word is truth. So, Father God, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the facts that each one of us face today, Father, we thank you that your word is truth, God. Oh, God, give us a revelation, God. Give us a revelation of who you have created us to be in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, because the truth came, because he was the way, because he was the truth, because he was the life. 
Father God, that we can come to you, that he came to bring us to you and to bring us into newness of life. And the same power, the same authority that rose Jesus from the dead lives and dwells and works on the inside of us. We are new creatures in Christ. We are born again. We've accepted you. We've accepted the sacrifice. And Father God, you have placed that same power, that same overcoming, healing power on the inside of us. So, Father God, we pray for every person here today, Father, those facing fear and anxiety and hopelessness and, 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 and sickness and disease and lack, Father, we thank you that your truth will prevail in the name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, so be it. All right, thank you, everybody. If you are getting baptized today, you can go change your clothes real quick and um, come on back in and we'll grab the kiddos because they always love to be a part of this. Um. Thank you. Um, that song, Raise a Hallelujah, I actually um, asked Jenny if we could sing that this week. And I just wanted to share this. A lot of you know this, but you know, that song was written a couple years ago by a worship leader in California whose son was in the hospital with no hope of living, a little boy. And I don't remember all the circumstances, I don't remember, but the, the little boy had been, had, uh, had been given no hope of survival. And his mom and dad wrote that song. And that became an anthem for healing. And, and, you know, it's such a beautiful song, and the words are so powerful. But, you know, I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. That standard, that praise, that worship, I'm telling you what, that is a powerful tool that God has given us, a powerful way to express the truth of who God is. So apparently we are going to sing that song again. Thank you. <laughs> 